This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Oh, we got a special episode of At The Turn in store for you today, patrons. Joining Nick and myself is the founder of Piper Golf, Mike Gottfried. Mike, thanks for sparing some time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. We have all kinds of questions about Piper. Some general golf stuff coming up a little bit later. But first, big picture. Yeah. What was the moment you decided... You know what? I'm going to start a golf ball company. So I think a lot of people had this experience, not of starting a golf ball company, but of COVID being the best thing for golf, maybe since Tiger Woods. I played more golf in 2020 than I had in probably the four years combined before it. And it was mostly a product of working from home and people not knowing where I was, but it was also like the only thing we could do. I'm using air quotes safely yeah. and socialize safely, right? So we're outside, we're with buddies. Um, and as we do, my friends and I were launching balls into the water and into the woods. And, uh, you know, some guys pick up a ball in the woods and they start playing that ball. And then we go and, you know, we're buying new balls. And I'm sort of thinking through this whole thing about golf balls of what's the difference? I've been playing golf for 30 years. I don't know what ball I'm supposed to be playing. I've heard of golf ball fittings and so on and so forth, but you know, I'd rotated between God knows how many different balls in, in my career and never found the one. And so I started doing research on where they're made and how they're made and um, what they're made of, and essentially had this idea to make golf balls more, I don't know, easy and approachable and fun. Um, help people find what ball they're supposed to be playing more easily. Do it with a brand that fits the modern age of golf that is, again, approachable and fun. And sometimes we try to be funny and not be super stuck up and think that we're the greatest thing that's ever happened. Um, and so that's where it came from. It was really this idea of golf balls being confusing, convoluted. You walk through a, you know, 
uh, a big golf superstore and you can't figure out what's what you simply read the box and it seems like every ball does everything and that's not the truth and so piper was really founded to make this whole thing a little bit simpler a little bit more approachable and a little bit more fun so I, I always think of I always think like somebody who goes in this venture to to start their golf business. Like I'm in my 30s, Joe's in his 30s now. I compare it to when you're in your 20s and you're sitting around the bar and you're like, "We should buy a bar." Like who hasn't done that? But the reality is, you probably don't want to own a bar because there's so many things that you never think about until you're actually in it. So what are the things or the or the the one thing that you never thought about when you thought it was such a great idea to just start a golf ball company that you're like, oh wow, no, I didn't think about this when I had this idea. Yeah. Two things come to mind. The first one is more of a business thing and it's more of a product of the moment, which is this whole supply chain mess that we're in globally. Um, you know, we've now sold out of golf balls twice, which is great. Uh, but we want to get our hands on more golf balls faster and uh, boats can only move so fast across the Pacific and get unloaded. So that's been a challenge. Um, but the other side of this is people who play golf are really opinionated and some people get what we're doing with Piper really quickly and they love it. Other people don't seem to get it and they hate it and they think we're crazy. Uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, but sometimes you, I really have a challenge kind of just explaining the the basics to people. Um, and they're thinking you're insane for going up against Titleist or Callaway or Taylor Maiden. And then I say, well, you know how many people play golf? Uh, we're going to just try to make a dent in that number and see where we are in a couple of years. Well, well, let's give you a chance to, to give that explanation. Cause you, you know, we haven't really introduced what you are, what you are all about, what you're, yeah. you know, what you're going for. So why don't you, why don't you give us that explanation for, from your mind, what, what your whole objective and, and what your kind of space in the market is. Sure. So if you've listened uh, to the, at the turn podcast, uh, anybody out there, the last couple of episodes you've heard, uh, Joe introduced it, but our tagline is tour quality balls, amateur prices, right? So we are bringing what we think are great quality, top quality golf balls uh, at a fraction of the price of called the big golf ball producers. Um, and again, part of that mission that I described earlier is, is for us to bring those golf balls to people confidently so people know what they're buying. They know what they can expect out of the ball that they've purchased. They know what they cannot expect out of it and really have a, a sound understanding of what ball they're playing, what ball they should be playing, uh, and what the other options are out there. Um, so we came out with four balls when we launched the company. Uh, they are simple color-coded models, right? So instead of the BC2560, we went with green, blue, black, and gold. There are four colors, green being sort of the beginner model, all the way up to blue, black, and then gold sort of being that uh, highest quality model that we see it, sort of a replacement for a, a Pro V1 or Pro V1X type of ball. Um, we also offer a sampler pack, right? So trying to make it simple, you can buy a sleeve of all four and take them out on the course, see what you like, uh, because you can only read and guess so much. Maybe you want to be a, a person who chooses off a of field too. Um, so we are sort of obsessed with this idea of giving people the choice and the information to make an informed decision about their, their golf ball purchase. So obviously we have a new and exciting relationship with Piper on this podcast. Another organization that we have a relationship with is Matchstick Golf. They also started during the pandemic. I've noticed a lot of companies in this time come up because like you said, the demand for golf has grown exponentially. So something I'm always curious about, and you touched on it a second ago when you said, we're trying to be fun. We're trying to distinguish ourselves. Some people think we're insane. 
So how do you find that particular voice on social media that's going to grab people's attention when there's so much competition for eyeballs? I think some of the hard work is being done for us at the top. If you notice, even the PGA Tour professionals, I mean, this whole idea of the the, the media pool, I can't think of the name of it, but the um, the, the social media participation pool. Oh, the, the PIP. Uh, the PIP. There you go. Um, the guys playing on tour are more approachable, more fun. Uh, you feel like you know them better than ever. Um, they're making the jokes, you know, golf meme accounts have become some of the best follows on social media. And honestly, my feed is filled with them and I love them. Um, this is not, you know, pleated khakis and high dollar country clubs and, you know, exclusivity. This is starting hopefully the, the age of inclusivity with golf. And so we're trying to be a part of that. You know, we're trying to, to be a part of the fun aspect of it. You know, the people who, uh, you know, play with their buddies on a Saturday and maybe sneak a few beers on the course um, and enjoy themselves as opposed to thinking of themselves as some kind of elitist, you know, kind of walled off type of, of sport. So again, I think golf culture is changing for the better. Uh, and, and so we're trying to be a part of that movement. Awesome. What, did you have any background in golf balls or engineering or like the whole like R and D that whole part of it? I mean, like, you like I said, you can you can say you want to start a bar, you can say you want to start a golf ball company, but like you have to have some sort of knowledge or expertise. Like, what was your background that, that gave you the confidence that like, yes, I can do this and I can succeed? So I have an experience in the world of selling products digitally and directly to consumers. Um, previously in the video game space, and prior to that, with a number of different products, including apparel and um, some women's hair care products and. Um, a number of other things that really have nothing to do with golf, but these are all affinity products. And so when I was sitting at home in that lone, lonely home office during sort of the height of COVID, thinking about myself, I play golf. I love golf. I think about golf all the time. Um, and so as I was sort of thinking about this venture uh, and what it was going to be focused on, golf was really an easy decision for me. Then it was just finding the way in. Um, clubs seemed really complicated, really expensive. And I think people would be a little more skeptical of clubs. Clubs are a much bigger investment, you know, to get somebody to spend a thousand dollars to try your thing. Um, seemed like a, a taller task. Uh, and golf balls really were, were a perfect fit. Again, as someone who played the game for so long, I didn't know much about them. I know people do know about golf balls, but the vast majority of people are just kind of taking them at face value and think this ball is best because it costs more or because this tour pro plays it. Um, so it was really, really a natural transition out of, um, at the time video games and into the, the golf industry for me, um, kind of following my own personal passion. You're so right about that, Mike, the implied knowledge of golf balls or what people think they know about something. I'll, I'll take my dad as an example. He was a scratch player in the seventies and he still uses pro V ones now because he's like, well, if I just play more, I'm, I'm going to get the swing speed back and I I'm, I'm, should be using this golf ball. And I tell my dad, no, dad, get a softer golf ball. You can't compress it like you used to. Right. So evolve with what's going on. It sounds like Piper is trying to do the same sort of thing. You know, we have that test that we took that matched me and Nick up with the golf ball that we should be using. I think that's a really interesting part of it too, is you're trying to simplify the process of determining the golf ball someone should use 
and you make it simple. Like you said, it's not the BX 15 plus pro it's, it's green or it's black or it's gold. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those were, you know, I had a couple of aha moments with this as we were thinking about, you know, what the products should be and, and, and testing them. Um, I think there's, again, a lot of um, preconceived notions about golf balls. Urethane cover golf balls are the best. I just assumed that was true. Um, I have been delighted and I've started playing our Piper Golf Blue line because they're Serlin covered. And what I realized about Serlin is it spins less and people think, oh, it spins less. I'm not going to be able to stop it on the green. Well, spin means left and right also. That ball goes straighter. Okay. And for a guy like me who tends to be a little wild off the tee, uh, tends to have a little slice, a little hook here and there, it mitigates that a little bit. And the other part of it was just what you were describing. I got a, uh, a chance to play with my dad, who's 72 years old. Uh, he's been buying Pro V's, and I got him to play the Piper Greens. And he looked at me about three holes in and just was like, What have I been doing? <laughs> I have been playing the wrong ball. Uh, and that was again, an aha moment. We were just in product testing at that point. Hadn't even really, you know, finalized anything, but those personal experiences just, you know, light bulb off. Let's do this. Mike, how scary was all this? Cause I get that you have enthusiasm. You understand how to sell things, obviously a variety of products, but there still has to be a moment where it's like, whoa, I'm going to start a golf company and this is going to be the thing that I'm doing now. Was there any like intimidating moment or did you just have sort of a gradual of like steps along the way where it's like, okay, this is a thing that is now my life. I'm now a founder of a golf company and Piper is what I'm going to do as how I'm going to provide you know, for my family. It's interesting. The, the parts that you think would be the hardest, like the making the commitment to starting it and buying the first, you know, batch of inventory those things I was just like head down focused, really working hard on it. I'm actually getting nervous now that we're seeing some success and subtraction. I'm like, oh crap, I'm actually doing this. Like I'm a year and a half in uh, and I have employees and payroll and we're shipping more boxes than ever to customers and receiving feedback and, you know, getting inquiries from, you know, shipping vendors and, um, media inquiries and all that stuff that like now it's real. Um, and I, and I get a little anxious about that, but, um, you know, I, I'm just one of these people that has, uh, buried my head in the sand and, and surrounded myself with work to keep myself focused on work. Um, I'm loving it. I love to be in the golf world and in the golf space. I've done plenty of product testing, um, which is nice uh, for my for my wife to think I'm you know I'm working because yeah, I am for product uh, testing. When I go play golf, golf research, that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, right, exactly. Product testing. Um, so no, it, it's starting to get um, even more serious and even more real, and that's exciting. But uh, it comes with a little bit of uh, of anxiety with it. So there's so many things that the traditional golf brands and manufacturers do and it sounds like you guys are trying to break the mold and a lot of those things you know releasing a new line every single year or you know pouring all this money into marketing and professional staff and things like that how do you determine where to break the mold and where maybe they got it right and to follow suit for something that fits for piper yeah so the first thing that we do and I'm not saying we're the only ones we, who do this, but we do it really well as we listen. We have listened to every single piece of feedback that we've gotten from customers 
uh, and we are logging that feedback and we are having that feedback inform our future decisions. So we recently um, ran a survey to our existing kind of customers and an email list, again, asking for feedback. What do you want to see more of? Would you like to see balls in a color other than white? Do you want custom logos and numbering on the side of your balls? You know, what could we do better? What have you enjoyed? So we really are obsessed with listening and helping our customers and our, our people who play Piper golf balls be a part of this company going forward and inform future decision-making. Um, and the second part of it is just, again, keeping it simple and keeping it honest. I think my suspicion, I've never worked at Titleist or Callaway or TaylorMade, but my understanding and my observation is that the marketing team is really leading the product team and saying, hey, we need a new thing so we can you know, get out there with a new driver next year, go invent one. Um, we're going to take the opposite approach and figure out what the product is going to be and then bring it to market uh, when it's ready and when it's right, as opposed to you know having to follow some sort of artificial schedule. And so um, we're not you know, we're not chasing anything. Um, we are going at our pace uh, and we are going at our pace with our customers and with the people who play our golf balls because they're, again, there's no Piper without those people. Mike, I'm curious. Do people want different colored golf balls? They do. They do. And I, they do. They want bright colored golf balls. They want yellow golf yeah. balls. Here's the thing that I have in my head. I was talking about this earlier. So I play at a course where the driving range and the second hole intersect with each other in a sort of T shape. You hit from the driving range into the second fairway. So all the range balls are yellow. So if you were playing a yellow ball, you're finished. You would never find your ball. So the, you know, I'm not playing anything but a white ball. I guess I could play like a pink ball or a, you know, something crazy. Um, so I kind of wrote off yellow balls right from the start, but uh, we actually had, I think 30, 32% of our survey respondents say, they would be interested in a ball other than wow. white. I, I, I just so disappointed. Well, it, it, it's not that I'm disappointed. <laughs> I just find it so, and I, I get, I get that, that people want a variety and, you know, people want whatever they want, but it's like, there's a reason golf balls are white. It's because the grass is green. The bunkers are a certain color, like white stands out really well on a golf course. It works. Yeah. A lot of them said like in the fall when there's leaves, you know, maybe you want sure. something, a this different color that's neon. Um, it, it's a double-edged sword, though, myself. because there's so many different colors going on in the fall that depending on where you hit it, <laughs> just you're not going <laughs> to Yeah, right. It. Exactly. It leaves. I, I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror and take myself seriously if I was playing a, a pink or an orange ball. But, you know. To each their that's, own. That's just me. Yeah, totally. Mike, we, we talked about this uh, a little bit off the pod uh, a few months ago, but – you know, when Nick and I started this podcast, Low Those, many years ago, coming up with a name for something is really, really hard. I think Nick and I went over it for weeks and weeks, and then I was talking to my dad. I, I gave him guff earlier, so I'll give him credit now. He's like, why don't you just call it At The Turn? I was like, I texted Nick, and he's like, yep, that's the name. So was it a similar process for you? Did you have a giant whiteboard, and you're you're mapping things out, or did you just hear or say Piper one day, and it just clicked that that's the name? You know... Yes, it was the name, but to get there, I had a couple of things. I did have a whiteboard. Um, I had been through the process of naming my two children with my wife. And what I realized from that process is you have to say no to everything except for one name. So you, there's no maybe pile. It's either yes, it clears or no, it doesn't. And so I said no to almost everything. Uh, so as I was thinking about the name Piper, I had a little kind of idea of what I wanted. I wanted it to be like really easy to say and to spell. I wanted, you know, it to be short enough that everybody could kind of 
you know, know it and see it on a golf ball and have it be um, something they could read. Um, and so I came up with a bunch of names, said no to like 95% of them and maybe the five that were remaining. I started mocking them up on, on golf balls and sending them to my friends and saying, if you found this in the woods, would you play it? Um, and uh, the ones that said Piper on them actually, you know, had the highest rating. Yeah, I would give this one a try. Um, I love so, that focus so that group was... question, Mike. Is <laughs> yeah. if you found this in the woods, would you put it in, on the tee the next hole? That that's wonderful, right? Would you toss it in the water or would you put it in your pocket? <laughs> um, and so that was that. And and like I said, easy to spell, easy to say, and it's got this sort of connection to golf. Like you piped it down the fairway. You've got sort of the uh, the bagpiper. You know, maybe some of the the history of golf in Scotland and that kind of thing. So a couple a couple of golf touch points there too. Pipe it with Piper. I love it. That's it pipe it away. Yep. So Mike, something I'm curious about, you know, with, with the pandemic, you mentioned the pluses and the minuses of that in terms of more people are golfing, but it creates logistical issues. Was Piper always going to be a direct to consumer product as opposed to trying to get it into dicks or golf tech is that something you're still interested in or do you view direct to consumer as what Piper is? For now, it's what we are. There's a couple of reasons why. First thing, again, we get to have direct interactions with our customers this way and we get to hear from them on social and we get to get you know direct feedback from them in emails and on our website um, and create a communication sort of feedback loop with our customers that you wouldn't be able to have, I think, if you were selling them at, at Dick Sporting Goods or the PGA Superstore or something like that. Um, I think that for this business to be successful long-term, we're going to have to consider broader distribution, right? I think we are up against this habit of many people out there who walk either into a golf store or a pro shop and buy their golf balls there. They don't think about, hey, I need to reload on a couple dozen two weeks before I play. Now, our ship times are like two or three days to most of the country. So two or three days before they play. Um but, you know, th there's a sort of behavior ingrained in a number of people that you don't necessarily need to think about buying balls before they play, before you play or load up on them, maybe um, at, in a more economical fashion. So um, we're going to build the brand again directly. We want to build it with a community of people who care about what we're doing, who are interested in what we're doing, um, who are comfortable buying direct. And we'll take on those other opportunities when, you know, maybe customers are walking into Dick's Sporting Goods and say, I want to buy Piper Balls. Where are they? Um, so that, you know, we don't throw them on a shelf and just hope that somebody can uh, can discover them there. I do want to remind the listeners out there, you can use Turn 10 at checkout for 10% off wonderful products at Piper.golf. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back. And I'm not going to ask Mike anything about the Saudi Golf League. We're going to have fun. We're not going to talk about the Saudi Golf League. I promise. Back to the pod in just a minute. But Nick and I have to tell you about Matchstick Golf. Turn 20 at checkout. It's the best deal anyone has. It's, the, it's, it's just for you. Best ball markers in the game. Nick, you love them. I do. I actually had a conversation with Dane recently, and I'm looking at this pizza slice ball marker that I got, like, I don't know, in November, well after my golf season had ended, and, and here we are, about to be March. My golf season still has not started. It's just pizza slice. It's the longest I've ever had a pizza slice 
in my life that I didn't eat. I cannot wait to put it in play. And this pizza slice won't go bad. Matchstickgolf.com turn 20 is the promo code. Guess what I got in the mail today? T-Box coffee. My latest shipment from T-Box coffee. If I'm excited, that's why, folks. I'm drinking it like crazy. Promo code TURN15 at checkout for roast to order coffee. They're from the heart of Southern California. Package for the golfer who can shoot 68, the golfer who shoots 112, and every score in between. Let T-Box coffee fuel your morning rounds. That's promo code TURN15 at checkout. Welcome back to the podcast already in progress. Piper Golf founder, Mike Gottfried, joining me and Nick. Nick, I'm going to ask Mike to do this, but then I'm going to ask you to do it, and I'm going to do it as well. So you're going to have some time to prepare. Mike, you're not. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a very simple golf question, I think. Give me your Mount Rushmore of professional golfers. Okay. Is this like who should be on Mount Rushmore, or this is my personal? Who is on Mike Gottfried's? Mount Rushmore pro golfers. Okay. I can't have Tiger four times, right? <laughs> you can do whatever you want. <laughs> that's my that's my Mount Rushmore. That's um, right. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Tiger in the first slot because he's Tiger. Um, I'm gonna take Fred Couples in the second slot because he's just got the butteriest swing of all time. Love it. I'm gonna take no one's gonna you're gonna ask me why i'm gonna take nick watney in the third slot and i'm gonna take kj Choi in the fourth slot wait that was my that was my four <laughs> hold on a second wait what um, all right explain so, nick first so nick watney i hope he remembers this i hope someone plays this for him so he was in the 2005 u.s open qualifying at my home course in rockville maryland and he was on the sixth hole of a 36 hole qualifier and his caddy was so hungover that he quit on the sixth green. <laughs> and the caddy walked off the green and he stood up the bag and he said, does anybody know how to read putts? Oh my God. And I was 19 years old at the time. I was summer after my freshman year of college. And I was like, yeah, sure. I can read a putt. And he's like, here, grab the bag. You're on it. What? And I caddied for Nick Watney for the next, uh, whatever, uh, 30 holes of a U.S. Open qualifier. Um, oh, because it's a 36er, so you're out there all 36. day, Mike. Oh, I my was God. out there for hours. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, needless to say, he didn't qualify <sighs> with me on his bag. We got close. He was under par, which was great. I think he was two under, and he had to be six under to qualify, which was a huge bummer. Because I was thinking if he made it, like, I'm going to you're like, Now you're so his good luck charm. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. go. Um, so that was that was my Nick Watney one. Um, Wait a minute. And then Kate... I can't let you get away with that that easily. Were you actually reading putts for a professional golfer in a U.S. Open qualifier? Like, were you over to be like, oh, yeah. I don't think so, Nick. This is a full cup, right? This That was it. We were going on both sides of the cup, looking uphill, looking yes. downhill, trying to figure out the natural lie. You know, everything breaks towards the water. Um, he was good. He was young, right? He was early in his career at that time. And I didn't really know or appreciate the moment. I think if I had that opportunity now, I would be like, nervous and um sure taking it super seriously but i was kind of walking around having fun you know waving waving to the crowd probably only um, slightly less hungover than his original caddy <laughs> slightly less yes i made it i made it 36 souls i think he 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 gave me uh a little wad of cash there at the end and said thanks and Dude. we never spoke again but i hope he hears this i hope somebody me too 
yeah and uh and remind nick of that what about kj professional power lifter turned golfer so uh similar type of thing i was at a practice round for um I think it was God the AT&T national, which was also in Maryland, which is where I grew up. Um, and there was a, it was a pro-am round. And again, caddy just bails mid round. And again, I'm the guy standing there and I'm like to his manager, Hey, I've caddied for Nick Watney. Let me get on the back. <laughs> so that was like 10 holes maybe. Um, but I got to walk with the group. I got to carry the bag. He did not speak a word of English, but could not have been a nicer guy. So I communicated with I, who I assume was his manager the whole time. Um, and for a little guy, I have never, ever, ever seen somebody hit the ball so far. And with so much anger, it was so impressive. What year was that? That was recall? 2006 or seven, probably. Oh, so he's still in his prime and winning tournaments at that point. Cause he won the players, I think like only 10 years ago or so. Yeah, no, he was still a big deal. And again, like, wow, nothing but respect for the guy to come to a country where you do not speak a word of the language and play golf and win. Um, super cool. I, I was, I was all, all about it. Joe, you're going to oh, yeah. have you're to re, re-edit this podcast to lead with the part where where Mike just randomly from a gallery ends up caddying for two professional golfers. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> right place, right time. And now I'm on a hot streak. No, I'm not anymore. It's, that was you know 10 years ago or whatever. But um, yeah, if anybody needs a caddy out there, I'm available. Wow. Incredible. Just gonna All go right. To hey, every Nick, golf do you want to follow up with your Mount Rushmore of golfers? <laughs> what do you got? Okay, mine's going to be so much more traditional and vanilla. Boring. Um, but yeah, surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> Bobby Jones. He, he won. Sure, he invented the Masters. He invented the Masters and he won a version of the Grand Slam. Um, that's pretty cool. Then he has a fantastic public course named after him here in Atlanta, by the way. Oh, preview of coming attractions there, Mike. I, I oh, didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, cool. and Annika. Ooh. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that. I didn't caddy for any of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not too late. Well, I regret to inform the listeners <laughs> I, have, I have carried the bag for, for none of those four golfers. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll go again, anticlimactic after Mike, but I'm going to start with uh, Sam Snead. He's probably my favorite golfer of all time. I can't recommend enough. If you just need to burn a couple of hours, just go on YouTube and type in Shell's Wonderful World of Golf, Sam Snead. There are so many incredible matches of him from the 60s and 70s. I've talked about one on this podcast before, but he plays Jack Nicholas at Pebble Beach in like 1962, and it was shot in black and white, and it's remastered in color. The course is completely different. And <laughs> what's fascinating about it is when you watch a course like that from so long ago, so many people complain about it, the conditions of golf courses. But you see Pebble Beach, which at the time is still one of the preeminent golf courses in the world, and if you had those conditions today, the average 15 handicapper would just be bitching the whole time about it because the grass is long and the sand in the bunkers is different. And it's just so interesting to watch these guys shoot these crazy low numbers. I think Sneed shot like, I don't know, four or five under and Nicholas was like three, four under. Spectacular. I can't recommend that enough. Sam Sneed, most PGA Tour wins ever. Tie with Tiger. He's number one. Number two, I got to go Tiger because, I mean, he's he's Tiger Woods and 
that's that's really all there is to that. Number three, I don't care that he's torched his reputation the last two weeks. I'm putting Phil Thank Mickelson you. up there. Thank I love you. Phil I, Mickelson. You I know what? Phil. Look. This is all going to blow over at some point. The idea that Phil is like this antichrist now because he said some dumb stuff about a league and he's bitter against the PGA Tour. I get it. I get that it matters, but does it really? Phil has brought me more joy and heartache than maybe any athlete over the last 30 years. He is still fascinating. He's won a major within the last 12 months. I can't get enough of the guy. Fourth on my list, because to me, he gives the best golf tips. Whenever you watch him on a golf channel show or you see a video of him online or just quotes from him, I give his tip for bunker play to all of my buddies who don't know what they're doing out of the bunker. You got to light a match. You strike it like you're lighting a match. And I tell people that all the time. You could probably tell that was a Gary Player impression. I love Gary Player. Look, I'm 5'8". He's a short king as well. I got to give him for that as well. The Black Knight. So I got Sneed, Tiger, Phil, Gary Player. I love it. My grandfather was obsessed with Sam Sneed, and I never understood why. And then I went on YouTube and started watching some Sam Sneed, and now I get it. And then I got the strike the match tip when I was a kid from my dad. I didn't know where it came from. And then I've heard of you know uh, a lot of uh, uh, Mr. Player ever since. And uh, that's, that's a good visual. One. It's a yeah. great visual out of the bunker. Yeah, Sneed is just, he holds so many records that are so weird. Like, he's the oldest PGA Tour winner. I think he finished third at the US Open at like age 66. They had to outlaw a putting style because of him. <laughs> like, there's so much cool stuff about this guy. And he was still out there, like, being the honorary starter at the Masters at like age 80. And still giving it the full shoulder turn. Like, he'd go out and break 80. Just the perfect golf swing, the the proto Ernie Els. It, he's he, I, I just can't say enough about the guy. Um, so, Mike, we mentioned earlier that the Bobby Jones golf course is right down the road. Yeah. Bobby Jones. It's now, like a like a nine iron from my house. Yeah, a nine iron from your house. So, if we're talking about the same golf course. I'm looking at the Bobby Jones golf course, the Magnolia nine. Is that, is that one in the same? It is. Yeah. So it's a nine hole course. They redid it, uh, three or four years ago. It is truly reversible. So that's crazy to a lot of people. I didn't understand it until I played it, but yes, there's a Magnolia routing this way and then a Azalea routing back the other way. I love that. So I talked to Jessica in marketing and she tipped me off that this one's right by your house. And so for our mad golfer of the week, we're going to the Bobby Jones golf course. By and large, people love this place. You get the occasional people out there who are mad at the staff, which that seems to be people's biggest gripe with golf courses is they're mad at the staff for some reason. So this is from an anonymous user. Titled ridiculous pricing for what you get. No walking fee. I quote. It's sad that if I want to walk during the daytime on a weekday, I have to pay the same amount as a cart rider. Now, what the heck is the incentive of coming here on a day when I'm playing hooky from the office? Answer, no incentive. There is literally no excuse for the price heat at this course. $50 for nine holes, $100 for 18 on a weekend. You get one, a confusing layout, two, tee box is hard as a rock three maintenance obstruction slapped in the middle of a fairway Four, my personal favorite canned soft drinks for four dollars and five 
a less than mediocre experience. The greens are bearable. The range is cool too, but that's about it. Wouldn't recommend. Now, Mike, after we read those, I have Nick guess the stars out of five this person gave, and they're usually much higher than you would expect. Based on that review, what do you think that user gave out of five stars? You know, that, well, first of all, that review was strikingly accurate, but I have never thought of those things as negative. I think it's part of the charm of the place. <laughs> sure. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I mean, that sounds like a two-star review. It's actually a one. They're they're pretty oh. despite despite that they're happy with the range. It's golf. They gave it one. Isn't that what it comes down to with all these Nick? Is like, it's golf. bro, this is just golf. What are we What are we talking about here? Hmm. They okay. did. They did leave um, when they first opened the the new Bobby Jones course. They left these almost uh, like rubber hammers on the tee boxes to help you get your tee into the ground because I think you had to, there was a thin layer of cement under every tee box. The way that I always look at it is it's the everyone's playing the same golf course. Everyone's got the same problems you are. I played a course this weekend. The ground was frozen on one tee, so we all had to hit you know either three woods or like long irons off the deck. It didn't work out great, but we all had the same challenge. Totally. Yeah, what's wrong with hitting an eye off the tee? Not a exceptionally long course. <laughs> now, before we get to my new favorite segment on this show, that's where Nick takes over for a minute. Uh, I do want to tell the folks about a signing, exciting promotion that we have with Piper Golf. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts with your Masters winner, and you're right. Piper Golf will send you that sampler pack that Mike was talking about earlier, so you get to try out. All four of the Piper golf balls, they're sent to your house. All you got to do, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and at the turn with your master's winner. If you're correct, they're going to send you a pack of Piper golf balls, the sampler, so you can try it all out. So, Mike, are, are I have to do this, this for, to you. Hold on. Are we doing this for oh. everybody who gets the right answer or the first person to get the right answer? No, it's it's the first person to okay. yeah. I, was oh, gonna, no, I just no. want to make sure the terms and conditions are clearly stated in the fine print, and we don't have well, any any upset users. We had we had an upset listener um, at the the Olympic. We did this contest for the Olympics, and we had a listener. Oh well, that guessed, was crap. We had a listener guest, Corda. Well, yeah, okay. you, you know, you, you see yeah. what I'm getting at. So we, I think we okay. sat on half a sleeve. I I will throw it. Additional sampler packs in if we have multiple people guessing the winner. It is very difficult to pick the winner of a PGA Tour event. Um, having said that, I hope everybody guesses right because I want Piper golf balls all over this country. I love it. Yes, as me and Nick have proven over the last five years, it is very difficult to pick winners in major championships. I think we're what, Nick? We're two for something like 26, and one of those was your wife picking Hideki last year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That sounds right. Funny story. She caddied for her decky for the last oh, three holes of the Pete. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mike, do you have an early Masters pick for us? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm going to pick my guy Morikawa. I yeah. love that guy. Love that swing. He just seems like he'd be a cool dude to play with. Or or caddy for you never know. It's or caddy for <laughs> right. I don't know. Is Watney in the field? Maybe I got a chance. His game's pretty bulletproof. <laughs> it's not a bad pick. He's impressive. Yeah, I love him. Speaking of bulletproof, it's at the turn's newest segment. It's sweeping the nation. We call it Nick Rules. Okay, Nick, take it away. Okay, so 
I like to try to make my my rules presentation kind of related to something we're talking about on the podcast. I don't know if you've noticed that before. So today we're talking about balls. We have. We, we have. Okay, good, good. We're talking yeah, good. about specifically the provisional ball. Now, before we before we get into this, if if you were to spell provision, how how would you spell that? Just out of curiosity, because I was like taking notes and I couldn't bring myself to actually type provisional, but then I typed like P R O V I S H, and I'm like, that just looks like provish. And so I was, I was really like, like more conflicted. Yeah, I, I got a J. Yeah, I yeah, think it's J. Got a J I think I landed on G H, but like a soft provish. J. You know. Anyways, maybe a Z H. Yeah. Oh yeah, I could throw a Z in there. Provisional balls. People need to know the rule on hitting a provisional ball when you can, when you can't, what to do after you've hit a provisional ball. I don't think people know. Well, they don't hit provisional balls as often as they should. If you hit a ball, it's dancing towards the out of bounds. You're not sure. Hit a provisional. It's going to save you time in the long run. However, if you hit the ball in the water, you cannot hit a provisional. You can't say, I think that's in the water. I'm going to hit a provisional. No, you have to take your red stake penalty area penalty and, and proceed from there. If you're not sure if it's lost or in some water and you get up there and you find out it was indeed in the water, you cannot choose to play your provisional because it's it's in better shape and just take your your penalty. That would be playing from a wrong ball from a lot wrong location. So you get your stroke and distance plus the general penalty. And last. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, please, just, please. just, you can play your provisional and continue to play your provisional until it is beyond where your original ball is expected. It would have been lost until that ball is either determined it's lost or you've passed the point that it was before then a provisional ball becomes your ball in play. Okay. This is this is an interesting topic. It's a good topic. I have a prediction to make off of this. I will say within a decade, out of bounds no longer exists in the game of golf. Well, it slows down play. It's way too penal. Just make everything a hazard. Everything yeah. needs to be a hazard. The delineation is too confusing for the amateur golfer, for the pros. They're hitting a ball out of bounds like once every four rounds. It doesn't make a difference. Out of bounds will not be. Nick, when we're doing season 15 of At the Turn, mark this down. We're going to run it back. Celebrate the end of Out of Bounds. I'll be there for that party. Yeah, I think I think there would be, that'd be a, a big celebration. But there is the, <laughs> the people who make the rules of golf are, are so slow to change. Unless like Bryson DeChambeau <laughs> strategizes Out of Bounds, then, then they will not be quick to change anything. I love that. Do you guys think that people hit provisionals enough? Because I sure don't. They, they and you know don't. what? It's, it's, a, it's a statistic that they do not hit provisionals enough. Yeah, I, I don't unless think you're in highly competitive situations with like a rules official, I don't know. You just, I don't know. One in, two out. Let's go. That's the thing is like, I, I I describe this to my girlfriend all the time. When someone like doesn't play by the strict rules of golf, like that's between the, them and the golf gods. I don't really, um, unless we're playing for money or there's some sort of competition, like you said, Mike. I could give a damn what anyone else does or writes in the scorecard. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference to me. Do, do your thing out there. It's fine. I, 
I totally agree. I mean, if we're playing for for money or we're playing anything like semi-competitive, like respect the general rules or let's talk about it before yeah. you do it. Um, yeah, I, I I agree that there's there's no need to hit a provisional unless it's some sort of um, stroke play. You know, like and again, I I mean, I almost never play stroke play. I play match play. That's what we do. Um, <sighs> I got to get to and, it later. Uh, we're playing way too much stroke play up here. Seriously, wow. we we. <laughs> I had this idea the other day to to do a podcast on on stymies. Like I, we need to play a round of match play with stymies. And then I'm like, okay, well, Joe's like, let's, let's do it this week. I'm like, no, we got to actually do it and report back and not just talk about what it, what it might be like. And I'm like, when am I going to play around with three buddies with, with stymies? Like it's just, <laughs> I gonna, you guys are going to come to Atlanta, get them to do that. We'll talk. And hyper, then second of all, like hyper golf stymie open. Yeah. yeah we're going to do it. I love it. It's going to happen though. Sometime coming in 2022 and at the turn on stymies. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap things up. Mike has been very generous with his time with our other news segment that Nick, I, I got to admit I'm losing steam on. Uh, I, I changed the title of it. It's no longer old timey advice. It's now uh old timey whimsy. I, I don't like the title, so I'm going to make it quick. I do like this quote though. Mm. This is from author John Updike. The golf swing is like a suitcase in which we are trying to pack one too many things. That that one nearly brought a tear to my eye when, when I read that. I was looking at this same thing. I'm like, oh, let's see what's let's see what's in the segment. I'm a little lukewarm when I saw that. I'm like, damn, that really really rings true. Like it just really resonated with me. I'm like, man, that, that's what I've been doing wrong all this time. <laughs> see, overpacking. <laughs> I it's 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 so nice to have a buddy that you do some sort of thing like this with Mike, because oftentimes I'll prepare little bits or segments that I know Nick is disinterested in or won't have much to say. And just to be able to see his face on camera when I read it into a microphone just brings me so much pleasure. I hope the listener enjoys it as well, because it really does make me happy. I could see his face too. That was worth it. (laughs) Mike Gottfried, founder of Piper Golf. Go to piper.golf. Use that promo code TURN10 at checkout for 10% off. Stock up for the season. Golf season is here. Get your golf balls. Mike's going to send them out to you. Also, remember to leave your Masters winner in the comments when leaving your review for At The Turn. Mike, thanks so much for doing this, man. Guys, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Let's do it again sometime. Come to Atlanta. I'm dead serious. Play some golf. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.